Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. Another day to sit back and kind of reflect on what we saw on Sunday. The Raiders over the 49ers preseason game number one. Talk about some guys that stood out. Talk about some guys that might not have stood out. That have a lot of work to do, not only this week, but next week against the Cowboys in the final two preseason games. And then get prepared for August 29th, which is cut down day. You've got to go from 90 men to 53. There's going to be a lot of guys across the National Football League that do not have jobs. And so all these preseason games are very important. They're auditioning not only for the Silver and Black, but also the other 31 teams across the league. As we had Donald Penn, longtime Raider offensive lineman, on the show yesterday as an undrafted free agent, he said, Q, most people don't know I started my career in Minnesota, right? And because of what I was able to put on film in these preseason games, Tampa Bay came and got me after week four because they needed an offensive lineman. And because of what I put on film, they were able to come and feel confident that I'd be that guy. Obviously, spent a long time in Tampa Bay before making the move to the Silver and Black and played with the Oakland Raiders for five years. And once a Raider, always a Raider. And was very proud and very happy to be a part of the alumni weekend that the Raiders just wrapped up with their game against San Francisco on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. So we'll do that. We'll talk about the game. We'll talk about expectations. And then we'll also turn the page because now starting tomorrow, the Raiders, are who are already in L.A., will be having joint practice number one against the Rams. And Vinny Bonsignor from the morning tailgate, he's a guy that's already there in town. He'll be checking in on this show each and every day. He'll check in on the tailgate. He'll check in on JT's show. He'll also be checking in with us here on Unnecessary Roughness each and every day for the, the joint practices, Wednesday and Thursday. Maybe even Friday we'll check in with them as well just to see how everything's going since I am not in L.A., so I cannot bring you the sights and the sounds. I can't tell you what practice looked like. So he's basically my eye in the sky, which we definitely appreciate that. He's our very own, like, Adam Schefter, <laughs> right? Johnny on the spot. So uh, Vinny's going to take care of those duties for the next couple of days. But practice gets uh, started tomorrow. I believe the first practice will uh, start around 10 a.m. Uh, there in L.A. And so uh, we look forward to getting reports from Vinny about what he's seeing and what he's hearing from the Raiders as they take on the Rams and joint practices, which I think are so important and so crucial. And the fact that the Raiders have two of them two weeks in a row are, are, to me, is a big deal. It really helps to put together this team and really starts to shape what this team could look like. Going up against the 49ers and that physicality last week and then going up against the Rams. And make no mistake about it, I know a lot of people don't have high expectations for the Rams, but they still have some players, right? They have a dude named Aaron Donald who clearly could be Defensive Player of the Year every single year, right? They still got some dudes that can go get it. Now, Cooper Cup, I know he's a little bit banged up. I don't think that he's going to participate. I'm not too sure. Right. Obviously, we'll find out sooner rather than later if he's going to go out there and participate in joint practices. But I know they want to make sure they take real good care of him so he doesn't get banged up. Similar to the Raiders with Devontae Adams. Sure, not going to see Devontae. I'm, I'm sure that they won't put Devontae out there for anything after, uh, you know, the, the injury scare that he had and he suffered against the 49ers last Friday. So, you know, certain guys that won't go out there and participate. But please believe that the Rams still have some talent on their team. I don't know what their expectations for the season are. I really don't. 
Because if you look at it and you see Jalen Ramsey's gone, you see Bobby Wagner's gone, uh, you see Leonard Floyd is gone, you, I mean, you start to see some players gone, you're thinking, okay, this team is going to be really down this year. But you never know, right? They still have a guy in Matt Stafford who's probably going to come back healthy. I mean, he missed a bunch of games in 2022, so now he's probably uh, as healthy as he's ever going to be. He's going to be ready to rock and roll. Aaron Donald missed a bunch of games in 2022. He's going to be healthy, ready to go. So this Rams team might be better than a lot of people expect, but Again, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. It's only the first couple of joint practices that get started tomorrow in L.A. And, of course, Vinny will join us to update us on everything going on. But as we put a bow on what we saw on Sunday against the 49ers coming up at 2.30, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, he was in attendance. He was in the press box, and uh, he'll give us his thoughts. And he's covered a lot of training camps when it comes to the Raiders. Just want to get his thoughts on what he saw on Sunday, what we've been seeing at training camp, how much of it he saw really – translate over into the game on Sunday and I hate to use the word real but how real can this be right what we're seeing right now is this really what this team could potentially be and the reason I I like to talk to guys like Paul because again as mentioned he's been around this team for so long so he's seen really good training camps he's seen teams that go undefeated in training camp and then all of a sudden go and only win a handful of games and so when you talk to someone that knows what it looks like already you get a better idea of what he's feeling as he's seeing this when I'm seeing it right I've only been around the Raiders training camp since I've been here in Las Vegas so I've seen a handful of training camps and to me It seems like they're playing with a lot more confidence. To me, it seems like they're flying around a lot more. They know what they're doing. They're out there practicing with a purpose. But, again, it's training camp. It's preseason games, so I don't want to get too high on it. Now, I will say, when I said that Max Crosby was flying around and he was, you know, looking like he was, uh, you know, doing a lot better, you know, it looked like he was out there practicing with a purpose the year that Unique Ngakwe joined the team, I ended up being right, right? I ended up being – there was something that I was seeing there. But, again, I have no – problem going to someone else and saying you know hey what are you seeing is this what I'm seeing do you feel good that they could translate this into the regular season so Paul Gutierrez from ESPN he'll join us at 2:30 to talk all things silver and black and uh, kind of put a bow on what the Raiders did with the 49ers on Sunday Three o'clock every Tuesday, we have our guy, the general, the Hall of Famer, John McClain, Sports Radio 610. He'll join us to talk all things NFL. All different storylines going on. Running backs are signing now. All of a sudden, uh, jobs are being filled. Dalvin Cook is now in the, in New York with the Jets. That was probably one of the worst kept secrets around the league that he was going to sign. But as you saw, he signed for what seven million dollars incentives that can get him up to eight million dollars. This is a guy that's had multiple. 1,000-yard seasons, multiple-time pro bowler. It's not big money. It's a running back position. It's not big money. Zeke Elliott, one-time leading rusher in the league, signs with the Patriots, $3 million deal. Get incentives up to $6 million possibly. Running back, not getting paid a lot of money. I know these guys aren't as young as Josh Jacobs. I know they don't still have as much gas left in the tank as Josh Jacobs. But the NFL, not Q, not the Raiders, not the Cowboys, not – you know, the, the the New York Giants, they're just not rolling out the dough when it comes to the running back position. So I'm interested, and this is one of the first questions I'll, I'll ask John McClain about, is all right, now that running backs are starting to sign their deals, what does that mean for a guy that may not have a contract in Josh Jacobs, a guy who's holding the franchise tag? Does that give him a little bit of sense of urgency? Does he not care? What, what does he think? He's been around the NFL, covering the NFL a lot longer than I ever have. Right? He's been covering the NFL more years than I've been alive. So I like to ask him, pick his brain a little something, something. So we'll do all things NFL with John McClain 
coming up at 3 o'clock. 3.30, each and every week so far since Slam Ball's been going on, we've had a Slam Ball player uh, on the show, or we've had a Slam Ball coach on the show, or we had the CEO of Slam Ball on the show. Well, this week, we have a player, Gage Smith from The Mob, and I think it's safe to say now, I don't know, last I checked, I wasn't supposed to announce this, but apparently at 1 o'clock, they were going to announce it anyway, so I don't know if they've already done it. Hopefully they have, but Gage Smith is the league MVP. Gage Smith is not only the league MVP, but he's also the defensive player of the year in the league as they got the playoffs going this week. And, oh, by the way, the mob, 16-0. and 0. <laughs> That would be zero losses. <laughs> no, under the L, there's none. 16-0. and 0. So Gage Smith is the league MVP. He's a hell of a stopper. And that is a tough job. That's the one. That's like a goalie in hockey, right? Who wants to be that guy? Nobody. Gage Smith is fantastic. So uh, that's the league MVP. That's the defensive player of the year. He's going to join us at 3.30 to talk about the mob getting everything started when it comes to the playoffs in slam ball. And I don't know. If I'm just going out on a limb, I probably think that they have a good opportunity to win a championship. They're 16-0. and 0. <laughs> I, I really can't get over the fact that they haven't lost the game. They've been in some tight ones. Don't get it twisted. I've enjoyed watching Slam Ball. They've been, they've been close in some games, but they haven't lost one. So there it tells you all you really need to know. 16-0, Gage Smith, Slam Ball MVP from the mob will join us at 3.30. At 4 o'clock, we'll take our first look at the L.A. Rams. Jake Ellenbogen, CEO of Downtown Rams, also believe in the Rams, good friend of the show. He'll join us just to kind of tell us where the Rams are right now. Talk to us about... You know, the Rams as an organization, I'll ask him about the health of Matt Stafford. You know, Aaron Donald, we'll talk about, you know, the expectations for the upcoming season. You know, and just, again, a lot of people don't have high expectations for the Rams, but we'll do that. We'll talk to him about that and also, you know, what he'll be looking for in joint practices that get underway tomorrow. We also have uh, some guests already lined up for tomorrow and the rest of the week, so we're fired up about the opportunity that we have here with you on Radio Nation Radio 920. Of course, Unnecessary Roughness, we do it daily, 2 to 5 p.m. My man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. We like to call it Studio Q, and it's all being brought to you by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. And if you're anybody, and I mean anybody, and you're getting jewelry, there's only one place that you're going. Like, if you say Q, I'm going to get some jewelry right now. I'll be like, oh, okay, I'll meet you at the Jewelers of Las Vegas. I already know where you're going. You ain't got to tell me because there's only one spot in town to go. That's the Jewelers of Las Vegas, and I guarantee you're going to see the homeboy Mordecai. It's just as simple as that. And I call him the homeboy because, well, he's the homeboy. He's got the hookup for you. If you go and you buy something and you need it fitted, boom, he'll hook you up right there on the spot. They've got everything you can imagine. Watches. they got the, the, the jewelry as far as necklaces. I mean, anything that you can imagine. Rings. Maybe you're trying to impress somebody. Maybe it's that time. Sir Whiskey Ray, I'm talking to you. You go to all the bachelor parties, homeboy. Maybe it's time for you to go and put a ring on it, right? Beyonce is coming at the end of the month. Maybe uh, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, they're looking for someone to put, the, put that ring on it. So if you need to do that, the Jewelers of Las Vegas is a spot to go. Ask for Mordecai. Let them know that Q sent you, and they'll take real good care of you. So we definitely appreciate them for sponsoring Unnecessary Roughness here on The Daily. So that's the guest lineup that we have. We still have sounds from the locker room from Sunday. Uh, we've got some Plenty of sounds from Ian Rappaport, uh, Brian Baldinger on Aiden O'Connell, Albert Breer on the Raiders. We've got so much to get to. Plus, we want to hear from you throughout the course of the show. 702-365-9200, the WBroke.com text line, 69187, keyword r With all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. 
the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. So let's go ahead. I like to bring a topic to the show each and every day. Sometimes I bring two. Today I just have one. The Raiders, they did a great job of checking all the boxes as far as I was concerned with the joint practices last week against San Francisco. I feel like they, they checked the box when it came to the preseason game number one on Sunday versus the 49ers. So in your opinion... What do they need to get accomplished this week against the Rams, both in practice and in the game on Saturday? What are you looking for them to do? How do they take that next step and continue to, as I mentioned last week, stack days, put uh, you know brick on top of brick on top of brick? Like That's what they say. Like We like to lay bricks, right? Just want to build that house. What do you want to see them get accomplished this week? When Vinny checks in with us, what do you want to hear that they're doing? How are they looking? Who are you focused in on? I'll tell you right now, I have a lot more – Focus on Aiden O'Connell. I was paying attention to Aiden O'Connell during practices since training camp opened up, but I wasn't like eye in the sky, where's number four? I got to pay attention to him all the time. I've been focused on the defense a lot. But, man, Aiden O'Connell with what he was able to do on Sunday has got me saying, okay, well, let me see what he does this week. So please believe checking out Aiden O'Connell is something that I want to hear a lot about. But I'll go ahead and start things off. Again, what I'm looking for, what I want to hear the Raiders getting uh, accomplished, one – consistency, attention to detail. The last time that the Raiders and the Rams squared up in joint practices ahead of their preseason game, there was, there was fights and, and they had to stop the practice. None of that's needed. I know a lot of people said, even Donald Penn said, I wish they had a little bit more intensity last week against the Niners in joint practice. I'm good with them not having that. I'm good with them just going out there and playing and, and, and getting the work in because iron sharpens iron. And you're going up against someone else. You got the opportunity for two days in a row to go up against someone else. Get as much work in as possible. I think that that is something that you just can't replicate. So there's no need to have fights. Just go out there, have a, you know, an intense practice, but at the same time, with respect to the other team, not trying to hurt nobody and not trying to fight anybody. I saw Baltimore and Washington today getting into multiple fights. Like, that does nothing. It's fun for fans to look at and be like, yeah, my team whooped your team's ass. That's great. That's fine but they're not getting any work in. So I really want them to be focused in on the details. And I think that they do a good job of that. Last year with the Patriots, there was no issues. This year with the Niners, there were no issues. I'm assuming there'll be no issues, but I remember what happened last time. They squared up against the Rams. Jimmy G, just keep working that relationship with Hunter, Jacoby Myers, Trey Tucker, you know, any other weapons that he has out there. I don't expect Devontae Adams to ever even touch the field. He might go out there for stretches, and that's about it. But just, I mean, the best thing Jimmy could keep doing from now until the season starts is just keep, just keep working on that relationship and that chemistry. Just get on the same page. And, and that, that's really all I ask. And obviously stay healthy. But, I mean, just getting on the, right, on the same page is all that really matters. Now, last week against the 49ers at joint practices, you saw a lot of Jimmy G and you saw a lot of Brian Hoyer. As I mentioned at the top, I'm a little more interested in Aiden O'Connell now. So, yeah, Jimmy G gets some more work. But you can scale Brian Hoyer's workload back a little bit as far as I'm concerned. I know what Brian Hoyer is. I know who Brian Hoyer is. Kind of know what he brings to the table. So scale him back a little bit and, yeah, just give, give Aiden a little bit of a nudge. I'd like to see Aaron Donald coming at Aiden O'Connell and see him stand there in the pocket, stand tall in the pocket, deliver the ball. Like, I would like to see him go up against the first, the first team. And Josh McDaniel said it after the game on Sunday. The reason why Aiden O'Connell played so much on Sunday, he didn't get very many reps against the 49ers at joint practice. So let's – Let's see if they can switch that up a little bit. I'd love to hear about Aiden O'Connell getting a lot more reps against the, against the Rams. The defense, 
you know what it's all about, making plays. Just stay consistently making plays, and especially the linebackers in the secondary, I'm focused on you. And then the most important thing, the most important aspect to all of this, stay healthy. It's just that simple. Stay healthy. You can't win a Super Bowl in August, (laughs) right? (laughs) You got to get to the starting blocks before you can get to the finish. So get everybody to the starting blocks as healthy as possible. So that's really what I'm looking for in the next couple days starting tomorrow in joint practices with the Rams. What boxes would you like the Raiders to check? What are you looking for? What would you like to get accomplished or them to get accomplished the next couple days, of course, on Saturday as well in preseason game number two, 702-365-9200. The don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword r Got a bunch of texts rolling through already. We definitely appreciate you. But let's go out to the phone lines to a very patient Raider Mike. Welcome to Unnecessary Roughness. What's on your mind? Chew, long time no speak. Yeah, man. How you doing, brother? You know, I'm a hurricane refugee. Just surviving here in 115-degree Florida heat. Just waiting for the next blast to come through. Who knows when that'll happen? By the way, props, you're all over. Your takes are all over ESPN nationally. <laughs> so, well done, Q. Thank you. You deserve it. Step up. Although, you better be a Raider at heart when that happens. <laughs> well, just, just, to, uh, just to let you know, starting on September 5th, I'll do the, I'm doing the national show uh, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Pacific time and 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Uh, Eastern time, Monday through Friday. So there's that. I knew you were getting groomed, too. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve it, bro. Thank you, my man. Props. Well done, man. Anyway, AOC, Aiden O'Connell. This guy, I mean, he's the second most. No, I no, he is the most prolific passer in Purdue history. Mm-hmm. Everett, Breeze. This kid looked dynamite out there. He did. And, and there's no denying it. None. Unless you're national media. They've <laughs> completely ignored it all week, which is fine with us. We're used to these kind of treatments by national media. Like uh, U.S. Today saying we're we three and 14. Out of your, are you out of your mind? We have the best receiver in the league, the best back. Jake will be back. He's just chilling now. Why do I need to go there? I know how to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. The line is melded, and that kid, Meyer, is a beast to be unleashed very soon. And this defense is flying around like I've never seen. They look like they know what they're doing, finally. Mr. Graham, thank you. These guys are playing together. They're being in the spots they need to be. And that pass rush is ferocious. It, it, took, it took me back to the days of Howie and the boys. You know, <laughs> that, that is going to get unleashed on this league. And no one knows about Tyree yet. And I think he's going to be special. Two Condors cutting loose on your team at one time a defensive backfield that finally figured it out with some very young, great talent. I see a lot of good things coming up. I've done this for you in a while. Raiders! There he goes. Raider Mike, thank thank you for the call, brother. Appreciate you. It's good to hear from you. Stay safe out there. Uh, Make sure you check back in with us, man. Definitely appreciate you. Yeah, you know what? I'll tell you. 
I know everyone says that the national media is not talking about the Raiders. Hell, I spent a whole segment talking about the Raiders last night with Freddie Coleman, <laughs> right? And, and a lot of people are talking about Aiden O'Connell, to your credit. A lot of people are talking about Aiden O'Connell, right? Ian Rappaport was talking about Aiden O'Connell before the actual draft. It's funny. I, we actually have this sound. Let's go to, let's go to Rap Sheet real quick. Uh, Ari, who's back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Ian Rappaport was asked before the draft who he thought the next Brock Purdy or Tom Brady was going to be. Check this out. All right. The next Tom Brady, the next Brock Purdy. Which, amazing. That's in the same sentence. I would say Aiden O'Connell from Purdue. A couple things to like there. One, accuracy. Pinpoint accuracy. Uh, you know, didn't have a great talent base around him. Still won a bunch of games. So I think there's a lot to like there. And then just overall intelligence, processing speed. I don't know where he's going to get drafted. I don't think he's going to be a first-rounder. But Aiden O'Connell is someone to keep an eye on. That was before the draft. Obviously, that was before the silver and black got him. Uh, yesterday, JT told a really good story about when head coach Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler all met with uh, Aiden O'Connell at the Combine and were talking about his mustache. And, you know, Josh McDaniels really had a good time with his mustache, basically telling him it had to go. And he's like, wait, hold on, coach. I've had this thing for like 18 months. I can't let, let go of it now. So that's just kind of his little, you know, quirks about him. But obviously he was on the Silver and Blacks radar well before, you know, before he was ever on our radar. I don't think anybody in Raider Nation was calling in like, hey, you know what? No, nah, they don't need Bryce Young. They don't need C.J. Stroud. They don't need Anthony Richardson. They need Aiden O'Connell. Nobody was saying that. If you were, my apologies. I don't remember. But I mentioned Brian Baldinger because, look, Ian Rappaport was prior to the draft. Brian Baldinger was talking about, you know, he does Baldy's breakdowns, does a fantastic job. He brought up Aiden O'Connell following Sunday. The best rookie quarterback I saw in preseason week one was Aiden O'Connell of the Raiders. Like, these throws were just one after another, like spot on. You can say, okay, back up San Francisco, that's true. Like, he missed three throws, including this one to Trey Tucker, and he puts it right on him. He just had a drop, all right? Wasn't anything wrong with the throw. But you watch him right here on third and three, and he's going to hit Keelan Cole right here. Like, he looks, and he's going to get to crossing now. It's good protection, yes, but he puts it right on him. It's one good throw after another. How about the go route to Trey Tucker up at the top? But what you don't see right there is his ability, right at the snap, to hold the free safety. Watch him just take one quick look to his right, just to hold the free safety right there. He's coming back over here to Tucker. And he lets it fly. Like, this guy was a walk-on at Purdue. He wasn't given anything in his business. Like, how about play action? Turn your back to the defense, all right? Play action fake. Here we go. It's not like he trips over the guard, but he sets his feet, and he hits his tight end. All right? Perfect. In stride. Like, then you get the touchdown right here to Keelan Cole. All right? Here we go. Like, so decisive, so quick on the move. When you watch it right here, like he knows exactly where he's going. Bam! And then the ball's out hot. Goes in at halftime, comes out, first drive of the third quarter, bootleg action right here, finds his tight end again. Like, I don't know, Aiden O'Connell, don't you want to see him again this week? In a lot of action, he was really good. 
Boom. Brian Baldinger right there. Fantastic breakdown. I love Baldy's breakdowns. He talks about Max Crosby a lot, talks about Josh Jacobs a lot. How about that? Talking about the rookie, Aiden O'Connell. Fantastic breakdown. I mean, that while he's listening to that, I damn near was like, all right, run it back. Play it again, man. I just want to hear it again. Now, don't do that. But I'm just saying, like, I, I was thinking it because the way that he's talking about the passes and breaking down more than what we just see as just normal watching the game. Right when he's talking about the the back to the the defender and tripping over his guard, which he did, tripped over his guard and still collected his feet. A lot of quarterbacks would go straight down. You trip over your guard, all of a sudden you're stumbling. You don't want to make a mistake. You just go down, and protect yourself. He didn't. He gathered his feet. Didn't even look like he had 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 any adversity in the pocket and was able to deliver the ball. So, a lot of people now, I know they might be late to the party, Mike, but that's okay, right? I talk about the Detroit Lions all the time. I'm going to be the last dude to the party on the Lions, and they might end up being a hell of a team this year. Sometimes it just takes a while for folks to come around. We happen to be closer to the product when it comes to the Raiders, so we see them up close and personal where an Albert Breer might come in for a weekend and check him out, and then he's out, right? A Bridget Condon from NFL Network might come in for a couple days. David Shaw might come in for a day or two. We're there every single day. So we're starting to see, okay, this is what they look like in OTAs. This is what they look like in mandatory minicamp. Wow, this is what they looked the second week at training camp. Because I'll tell you right now, the first week at training camp wasn't too much to write home about. I don't think that things started clicking and them start really understanding what they're doing until really week two. Remember, they didn't really start coming up with plays defensively until that Friday when they came up with interceptions off Jimmy G. And then they also they happened to do it on Saturday as well, where they had seven in two days. Then all of a sudden, the next week, the Niners come into town. I mean, it's just like all of a sudden, it's becoming, it's become habit forming, and that's all you can ask for: good habits. If you practice hard and you build good habits in practice, it'll translate into the game, and that's all that you can really ask for. So again, I throw the question out there. Thank you, Raider Mike, for the call. It's great to hear from you again. As I mentioned, please stay safe out there, brother, and uh, don't don't make that your last call. But the don'tbebroke.com text line is blowing up in a major way, 69187, keyword R&R. &R. They, they did really well at the joint practices in the game with San Francisco. What do you need to see them get accomplished this week versus the Rams in the same kind of setting? Two days of joint practices and a game on Saturday. What are you looking for? What do they need to get accomplished as far as the silver and black is concerned? 2.25 is the time. When we come back, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, he'll join us to talk about and kind of put a bow on what he saw on Sunday with the Raiders and, uh, and the 49ers. We'll do it all next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. McCormick walking, walks in! Touchdown, Sincere McCormick! Touchdown, Raiders! <laughs> Now back to Unnecessary Roughness, live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Everybody's got a price. Everybody's got a price. I wasn't Everybody's the biggest wrestling fan back in the day, but even I know that that is the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, talking about everyone's got a price. So if there's any kind of reference like that on the show at any time, you know what that means. That means the one and only Paul Gutierrez from ESPN is joining the show, and he joins us now on the phone lines. Paul, everybody's got a price, my man. <laughs> and everybody's got to pay. So, right. yeah, that's million-dollar man, man. He, he kept it real back in the late 80s, right, early 90s? Yeah, man. Like I said, I wasn't a big wrestling guy, but I knew <laughs> I knew about the million-dollar man, man. I know he had all the money. 
<laughs> See, I thought I thought the kid was a little kid in that one skit when he told the kid he would give him a hundred dollars if he dribbled the basketball ten times, and on the tenth time he kicked the ball away. I mean, I'm not saying that was you. I'm not saying you, you were there, but I just wondered maybe that was kind of one of those things where you, you kind of blocked it out of your memory. You're like, you know what? I never watched wrestling because that happened to me. I'll wonder, tell you what. That was cold game when he did that. I remember when he did that, man. That was so messed up. He did that multiple times to multiple kids. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't me. It wasn't you. We just we just watched. Right, we just watched that. It wasn't us. We don't know who it was, but it wasn't us. Paul, <laughs> Paul Gutierrez from ESPN joins us here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Necessary Roughness. I'll tell you what, who was him on Sunday was Aiden O'Connell, 15 for 18. Yep. He had a nice performance on Sunday. Were you surprised to see that performance from Aiden? Uh, a simple yes, no question, yes. And, and I'll tell you why, because of how, how bad he looked. Say all that with a caveat, right? Because we can't really see much of what's going on, especially in those joint practices with the 49ers. We're two football fields away. Line of guys standing in our sideline. Uh, we're up there with binoculars trying to track what's going on. But before that, whenever we see Aiden O'Connell throw a pass, like, oh, okay, that's why they took him uh, in, in the in the fourth round. And then you see others that go, ooh, uh, if he plays at all this year, that's a bad thing, something bad happened. But when he came out there and he played, granted, uh, against backups and other guys that, that uh, probably aren't going to be in the NFL in a couple of weeks. His poise is what got me, and he just looked so comfortable out there. He looked like he had been a veteran in this system for a year. And it reminded me a lot, actually, of a, of uh, Jared Sinem last year against the 49ers in the regular season uh, toward the end of the year because he just looked so comfortable, so confident. And we hadn't seen that uh, in Kansas. So, that was, to me, was the most surprising and, and a pleasantly surprising thing to, to come out of that game. That, to me, was the biggest takeaway. Yeah, no, that really was. I, I was uh, shocked because I didn't know what to expect to see from him. I didn't know if he was going to start, Brian Hoyer was going to start. Once I found out it was O'Connell, I thought, okay, let's see what he's got. And, again, went out and had a really good performance against San Francisco. But really kind of want to know – how much do you think that you could really take away from preseason? You've covered this team for a long time. You've seen a lot more training camps than I have. How much could you take away from the preseason with the, when it comes to the Raiders? They were 4-0 last year in the preseason, yep. right? And we saw how the regular season went. Um, and I know you've been watching and following this team for a long time. Back in 2006, Archel 2.0, they were 4-1 in the preseason. and went 2-14, yep. and 14, which led to Jamarcus, which led to a lot of bad times after that as well. So, not a lot. I, I don't believe you can you can get a lot out of the wins and the losses. What you get out of it now are the joint practices when the frontline guys go against frontline guys in a controlled atmosphere. That to me is where they actually are seeing what's going to happen. But the preseason, if they're going to charge the fans full, full price to come in and charge them full price for the concessions and for the beers and everything else there, they got to put on some sort of a show. So right. from that aspect, it was very much a success for the Raiders, especially with that many 49er fans traveling down and and Las Vegas saying thank you very much for we'll take your money and, and uh, be on your way. So that that part of it was interesting, but but yeah, I, I just I'm one of those things that you can't get too high, you can't get too low over what happens in the preseason because you just don't know how that translates, if at all, because the personnel groupings that are out there, half of those guys aren't going to be here starting the season anyways. Right. No, you're right about that. And I came into yesterday's show trying to temper expectations just because, again, it's a preseason game. You say the way they played and you want to get really excited about it, but you have to realize it is a preseason game. Well, in the joint practices, as you mentioned, we could take a little something away from that. The Raiders defensively were really successful, you know, picking off Jimmy G or not Jimmy G, excuse me, uh, the 49ers quarterbacks multiple times, especially on Friday. Is this defense starting to turn the corner in your opinion or is it too early still? 
It's still too early, but there's definitely a different mindset that you can feel. I mean, I heard you earlier when we were talking about, you know, bringing me on the show. And to me, you know, I have been covering this team in one way or another since 2005. And I covered a lot of training camps. I remember back in 2006, which I just referenced, the first day of training camp was when they practiced the offensive linemen falling on fumbles. That's the, <laughs> not, yeah. That didn't set the stage for the rest of a, of a poor offensive season. I don't know what would. You and I were talking on day one standing on the sidelines, just how much quicker how much more in tune these guys seem to be with each other. Now, we don't know how that translates, what that means down the road, but it just seemed like things were clicking a little better, faster. Um, they weren't in a hurry, but they were moving quicker, if, if you know, to pull from the book of John Wooden on that. So, you know, again, you don't know exactly how it translates until things are for real. But it, by all intents and purposes, they look like they're all on the same page, whereas last year they're trying to figure out it's like you, you, you're, you're studying for an exam at the end of the semester, right? Okay, what page is that on? What page is that on? And you're just kind of rifling through the book. That's what it felt like this year, last year. This year it feels like they're all using the same highlighter, looking at the same page, highlighting the same thing. What, are you, what have you taken away from Coach McDaniels? Does he have a different demeanor this year as opposed to last year to you? Uh, if so, it's simply because he's, he's more comfortable in his own skin, and that was the one thing to his credit, that when he first got the job and, and he announced what he had learned from his first attempt at, at being a head coach when he was only, what, 33, 34 years old in Denver, was that he needed to be more of a, of a people person, so to speak. He had to relate to guys better rather than just being the disciplinarian, uh, you know, coming down hard on guys. He's always going to have his team prepared. There's no doubt about that. They watch hours and hours and hours of film. So they're, not, they're never going to not be prepared. Right. It's just a matter now of when do you, when do you, when do you, you know, what's the difference between a pat on the butt and a kick in the butt? That right. to me is what is, separates a lot of coaches. I mean, that, that goes back to high school, right? I mean, how many times did you want a pat on the back or, or I would want a, an attaboy instead of a, what the heck are you thinking? What are you right. thinking? Right. You know, different guys react different ways. And to me, He's figuring himself out as to how he needs to control things with this team because, as I've been told, there is no hot seat for Josh McDaniels. Even though there's some, you know, things happened last year and everybody was, oh, what's Mark Davis thinking? Why are they in these meetings after after games so long? There's no real hot seat at this stage. I mean, things can go can get really crazy fast, but he's entering this season operating as if he has all the job security in the world for a reason. He does. Yeah, no, you're right, and it and it just looks like he's loose to me. He just seems like he's a little bit looser, and like you said, uh, you know, kind of relating to the players a little bit more, which is something I think is important moving forward. Again, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Wanted to ask you about the offensive line, in particular the competition at the right side, Thayer Mumford and Jermaine Illuminor. At one point I came into the show and said Thayer Mumford is way ahead of Illuminor. If the season started tomorrow, it'd be Thayer Mumford, and then – well, now here we are. I don't know now. What are your thoughts? What's your gut feeling <laughs> in that competition? Yeah, it's a good thing uh, Jermaine Illuminor doesn't look at social media because he could be mad at everybody about this, right? right. <laughs> he just don't know. And that's what he said. We all know that's not true, but that's fine. Uh, peace out to, to Jermaine on that. But um, it, to me, the key there, and I've written this time and again throughout training camp especially, it depends on what the Raiders see Jermaine more valuable to the team as. Is he more valuable to the team as a starting right tackle, or is he more valuable to the team as a swing guy mm-hmm. that can play multiple positions on that offensive line while somebody else could step in and hold down the fort at right tackle? I believe with versatility being such a huge key for this offense, for this scheme, he may actually be more valuable that way. And we saw some bad body language earlier in camp that, yep. that he's kind of rebounded from when he wasn't out there getting those snaps. Um, but if he is more valuable that way, 
then that's something he's got to get right in his mind because he won't be a quote-unquote starter, but he'll still be a very valuable piece of the offensive line. If he is the best option at right tackle, so be it, and you go from there. It just makes you wonder then, okay, well, what does that mean then for Thayer Munford? What does that mean then for, for Brandon Parker? Because those guys also, you know, are in the competition as well, and we all know that in this scheme, they actually do prefer, and it works better when they have those tall, upright tackles as bookends with the, out there. So if you've already got Colton Miller on the left side, how does that factor in on the right side? It's just one of those things we're going to have to see just exactly how it shakes out going down the road. Yeah, I think Thayer Munford has the size that the Raiders are looking for at that tackle position, but he's also got to go out there and earn it, right? I mean, I think that yes. there's really a legit competition between Illuminor and Thayer Munford. Just a little side note, Paul, and this just came in while we were talking. Uh, the Raiders have signed – uh, wide receiver Isaiah Zuber, he's a guy that uh, the Raiders are very familiar with. In a corresponding move, they place tackle Brandon Parker on the reserve injured list. So there's well, there you go. that. Like last year. Right. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. Amazing. So he just can't get right. He just – or can't stay yeah. right, I guess. So that's unfortunate <laughs> for him. <laughs> Don't make me start quoting uh, life. <laughs> get right. Nope. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. No, no, I'm not going to do it. But, yeah, that literally just came in right now as we were talking. Okay. So I don't mean to goof on Brandon Parker, but, yeah, he, he can't get right. He can't stay right. And and we are going to continue to quote life here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary rough. There's just got a couple more questions for you, Paul. Jacorian Bennett, the young man looks like the moment's not too big. It seems like just like Aiden O'Connell. It doesn't look too big for him. He's there with his – seems like big brother now. Marcus Peters is always in his ear. Uh, what, do you, what have you seen from Bennett so far? He does not look like a rookie. He, right. His body, the way he just kind of has filled in. When, when he first took the field, I was very impressed with just how he, he looked the part. He looked the part of the big physical corner that the Raiders traditionally have always liked. Now, he's not long and lanky like, like Namdi was back in the day or the other corners they tried to bring in, but he's not a little guy like the D.J. Haydens that they drafted right. uh, you know, or the Garyon Conley. He's, he, he's stocky. Yeah. But he's also sticky. And, and I'm, and I'm going to pat that right now. He's stocky, but he's sticky. Nice. that's the kind of – that's the kind of corner that would do well on the other side for Marcus Peter, who takes those chances. You know, 32 career interceptions, six fake sixes. That doesn't just happen by accident. That right. happens when you got somebody competent on the other side, so the quarterbacks aren't afraid to throw or aren't afraid to throw to either side. But they're they're not sticking to one side of the ball in the field. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he has impressed me just with how just into the game he seems to be. But then when we saw him at the podium that day, I mean, I was really impressed with just his maturity the way he just spoke about things and how he wasn't – the moment was too big, but he wasn't, like, cocky either, but he was confident. So if you're stocky and sticky and you're confident but not cocky, I think you've got something there. Now you've got to translate on the field, and uh, let's see how that goes. But, yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's kind of a part of the story that I got coming soon. I know you always have to be in. So I'll wait till you have to be in. Right. Absolutely. I, I like that, though. <laughs> stocky stocky but sticky. That's, that's something. we got to get some T-shirts made. <laughs> Stocky but sticky. We can walk up and down the strip with that on. <laughs> oh, dude. We have people who want to take pictures of this. Right. Yeah, there you go. Hey, look, man. We need to generate revenue any way we can, brother. Money's hard to come by. <laughs> well, Paul, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about Fernando Valenzuela. I wanted to dip into the Major League Baseball. You got a piece out on Fernando right now, Otani before Otani. You got to tell us about this. I'm so fascinated by it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm old enough to, like, like we talk about things, you know, we're old enough to remember when things were, were still kind of new, when history was, was new, right? So yep. with Fernando Mania, I was 11 years old when he hit the scene. And up to that point, you know, growing up in Southern California, the Dodgers were my team, and don't tell any of my wife's fans that, you know, everybody knows Amy G with the Giants. But growing up in Southern California, I was a Dodgers fan, and Steve Garvey was always my guy. Number six was my number in Little League, and I, I mimic his batting stance at the plate. Until all of a sudden, this poor little left-hander from Mexico who kind of looked like my T.O. on my mom's side is pitching and dealing for the Dodgers. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. There's somebody that kind of looks like me. There's somebody that doesn't speak English at all. He's fascinating. And it was very similar to when Jim Plunkett and Tom Flores were winning titles for the Raiders. So the story was basically about how the cultural impact he had then in 1981 and still has today, it was so strong that the Dodgers actually retired his number 34. And the Dodgers generally only retire numbers of guys that are already in Cooperstown. Fernando's not in, in the Hall of Fame. He, he fell off the ballot only getting like 3.5% of the vote his last year eligible. So the fact that they did that re- represents and it recognizes that the, the Dodgers as an organization recognize the cultural impact he had. So to be able to talk to him, and I talked to Coach Flores too. He, re- he talked about how impressive it was for, Hunt, for him as a Mexican-American to see a Mexican across town at Dodger Stadium doing things on the mound. I talked to Officer De La Hoya, who grew up in East L.A. and, and saw him as an idol. And you know, everything in his household stopped when Fernando was on the mound. Dusty Baker, talked to Dusty. Dave Stewart, talked to Dave Stewart because mm. he was on that team and saw it firsthand. As he told me, he was a witness to everything that happened. So it was kind of a, um, a passion project for me to dive back into to somebody that meant some, something to me on a personal level and then to have a relationship with Fernando over the years. Um, you know, it was, was something pretty special, too. So it was, it was a passion project. I dove into it and talked to a lot of different people about what Fernando meant. And the interesting thing about it is, even though they retired his number, nobody had worn 34 since the Dodgers released him in 91 because Mitch Poole, who's been with the team since 85 in different categories, whether it's a fat boy, clubby, equipment manager, he made it his personal mission to not let anybody wear 34 because he recognized that that number meant so much to so many people in L.A., particularly Mexicans and Mexican-Americans. That is awesome. I'll tell you what, I don't throw left-handed at all, but I sure did try to mimic Fernando Valenzuela and try to pitch like him and look up in the sky, you know, and, yeah, my throw was – it looked like 50 Cent on the mound trying to throw out the first pitch. But, you know, it's just who didn't want to be Fernando at one time, right? I mean, he was that good, and Paul. And he could swing the stick. And he could swing the stick. And that was the thing was that I – when I you know, over the years, 20 years I've known him and we've done different stories together and things like that. And I asked him one time, well, where are your – what's your Cy Young Award? Where, where is your Rookie of the Year Award? He's like, oh, it's, it's, it's hidden somewhere. It's put away in the closet somewhere. And then he kind of stopped and he smiled and said, but my Silver Slugger Awards are on the fireplace. So that's how much pride he took in his hitting, you know. And the guy's got two rings, and and I do wonder if if with this you know renewed sense of looking back at history and taking care of guys as long as they're still here, you see it in the NFL now with the pro football thing. I do wonder if maybe a veterans committee is going to take more notice of him because you know I do vote for the Baseball Hall of Fame. I he was off the ballot before I had a chance to vote, but I would have voted for him simply for the cultural impact and how he changed the game. As Jaime Abin told me for the story. In his opinion, no player created new, more new baseball fans than Fernando did wow. because it was, a, it was a fan base that simply did not exist. And the LA Times has reported that 40% of the Dodgers fan base now is Latino, and that's directly because of Fernando and Fernando Mania back in the summer of 1981. There's no doubt about it. I'll tell you what, man, uh, I was always a big fan of Fernando. I was just a fan of greatness, and he was always greatness, and it's a shame that he's not in Cooperstown. So we got to get on that job. I don't know what we got to do. I don't know who I need to call, Paul, but I'm about to pick up the phone and make a call. 
<laughs> do it, do it, man. It's the same thing, like what we did with, with Coach Flores. You know, you just raise the awareness and, yep. and get that out there. And like I said, Coach Flores, Tom, Tom's quote to me was great. He said, "Yeah, it was great to look across the city and see they were finally giving some Mexican on the mound credit." So he can say it. Uh, I let him say it. <laughs> there, hey, you ain't lying. You ain't lying. Well, great stuff, Paul. It's always great catching up with you, my man. I do appreciate you, and uh, I'll see you soon. I know that's for sure. Sounds good, man. Like like Ted DiBiase said, man, everybody's got a price. Everybody's got a price. Someone's got to pay it. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate you, my man. There he goes. We started with the Million Dollar Man. We end with the Million Dollar Man. That's how we roll. 248 is the time. We'd love to hear from you. 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text sign at 69187, keyword r You saw what the Raiders did, joint practices against San Francisco and the preseason game. What would you like them to get accomplished this week against the Rams in practice and also the game on Saturday? Let us know about it. It's 248. It's Raider Radio 920. He has that it factor in terms of a decision maker and getting the ball a lot quick. This surgery they had on his shoulder, he just kind of set an off-the-cuff remark and I never forgot it. The surgery has brought his shoulder back and he's got his strength back in his arm and I just have always felt like he didn't have everything on it when I watched him play over the years. It's a really, really big deal if his shoulders bother him all these years and then he's gotten it fixed and then he had this other injury. I think a healthy Jimmy G right now could be extremely effective. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. That was uh, Coach Mike Martz, the engineer of The Greatest Show on Turf. We had him on the show yesterday, and he was talking about the Raiders' expectations for the upcoming season. And you heard him there talking about Jimmy G and his shoulder and how he feels like it could be even stronger than it was before he had the shoulder surgery. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. we got John McClain from Sports Radio 610 coming up at the top of the hour, so I'd like to squeeze in a couple quick calls. Let's start off with Nevada right here in Vegas. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hi. First off, go Raiders. Okay. And I just want to make a comment saying the Raiders are the best and that, well, let's hope they went to the Super Bowl. All right. So, you guys are a good station. Just wanted to say that. Okay. I just wanted to check, call in, say hi. And it's I, the actual state of Nevada, but thank you. Bye. See ya. There he goes. Nevada and Vegas. Very positive call right there. Definitely appreciate it. Uh, 702-365-9200. Again, John McClain joins us at the top of the hour. Let's go ahead and go back out to the phone lines and talk to Gangster Raider. Gangster, what's on your mind? Whoa, whoa. And first of all, I want to say shout out to my guy, Raider Mike. I don't know um, how he's been doing and everything, but I be, he built my mind a lot, and I've been thinking about it in the last couple of weeks, and I wasn't going to call in until he called in. It's good to hear from him, and keep your head up, bro. And I want to echo his sentiments because I feel the same way. I'm cautiously optimistic about the season because, first of all, I'm glad that we got rid of Carr. I thought we should have moved off of Carr two years ago. You know what I'm saying? So he's gone. We got Jimmy G coming in. We got Aiden O'Connell, who should be the backup. We got the best wide receiver and the best running back in the NFL. Look like the defense is figuring out, and our secondary is vastly improving. And I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, but I won't really feel – I wouldn't say – I wouldn't really feel excited until Josh Jacobs come back. Okay. Once Josh Jacobs come back, then I feel a little more excited and feel more, like, positive about the, you know, the way the team is trending. But, you know um, – I'm cautiously optimistic, but you know me, I'm always positive until something negative happens. But, you know, with the way things have been going this offseason, I'm like, you know, I'm feeling kind of good. You know, I'm sitting back with my feet up, kicked back, but I'm like, yeah, 
my head nod, and I haven't had no negative, you know, no negative head nods when you're like, here we go again. But now it's like, okay. I'm like, okay, I'm liking this. So I'm cautiously optimistic, just like Raider Mike is, and I'm feeling, I really feel real more, I feel more um, conducive to winning season once Josh Jackson comes back. Are you feeling what I'm feeling, Q? And shout out to Raider Mike. Keep your head up. And if you can, hit me up on Instagram. I don't got no Twitter or nothing, but hit me up. Gangster Raider on Instagram. Stay in contact with me, Raider Mike. Much love. Boom, there he is, Gangster Raider. Good call. And yeah, I think that everyone in Raider Nation will, will have a big sigh of relief once Josh Jacobs gets back. I know I'll have a sigh of relief. I believe he'll be back. I'm excited about his return. But until he's actually back, we don't know that he's back, right? But I feel really good about when he does return. Great call, Gangster Raider. Appreciate you. John McClain, he's up next. Kicking off hour number two of the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.